What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear with coaches Skip Hill, Andrew Barry, and myself, Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by True Nutrition. You can use our code THINK for high-quality third-party tested supplements. I started using their creatine again. Creatine is such an old-school product, but there's a lot of benefits to it for brain health and cognitive function. So I need all the help that I can get. Like I said, use our code THINK and check out anything else over there. Let me know if you have questions, and we're also brought to you by supplementsource.ca for our Canadian people. Great deals over there. And last but not least, we're brought to you by our Patreon folks. Thank you for that. We appreciate you guys supporting the show. We're going to knock out a quick Q&A here, guys. That's all we have time for. Yeah, all right. I'd, I'd throw the question right up. Yeah, so this was over in the Facebook group. Connor says, um, just curious to hear your opinions. I love bodybuilding, but have never had a coach. Part of the process I really enjoy is experimenting and trying things to see what works. I will never be a good amateur, but I would like to be a threat at a local show. I am, uh, am I silly for not getting a coach? It's a good question. Got a lot of feedback over there too. So as three coaches yeah, is our go-to statement saying, no, you need a coach. You need to hire one of us now. Well, so I mean, if you guys go yeah, to, right. to failure, <laughs> right, right. If you go to the uh, the question, everybody, and I don't know how many of these people that were commenting were coaches, but the overwhelming majority were like, oh, I absolutely would not do a physique competition without a coach. Really? And me, maybe it's, yeah, maybe it's me just wanting to be a dissenter, but also it's <laughs> kind of how I feel, especially for a first timer, because I think all of us back when we started, there wasn't nearly as many coaches. I mean, there was near, there was like what, maybe two or three household coaches back then. I dare say Skip might have been one of them, but yeah, uh, possible. overall, like <laughs> you, you had heard of like Chris Aceto. Um, there was some guy in California I'd heard of. I can't remember his name now. And that was about it. Yeah. What was that, Scott? I was thinking of Chad. Was he around? Chad Nichols was around, but like I don't think he was taking anybody other than like top, the top guys. IFBB. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so there was just none of these coaches that were more available to amateurs that were trying to rise up the ranks and keep in mind, guys, there was only bodybuilding and female bodybuilding fitness okay. came along and, and then eventually some of those other classes. So it wasn't the sport that it is today. Right. Yeah. But anyway, me being a, the dissenter in the group, my thought process was, you know what, thinking back to that time period when I was starting bodybuilding, I really enjoyed the experimentation that I did. You know, sure. I, I checked out books from the library. I read the magazines. I, and I got more out of the books than I did the magazines because you knew the magazines were ghostwritten. You knew the right. workouts were ghostwritten <laughs> by Ron Harris. You know, yeah. it's like yeah, exactly. all these guys are doing squats, then leg press, then lunges. Like like Ronnie Coleman has the same leg workout as Mike Matarazzo. You know, right. it's like, yeah, right. So my, and my point being is that this whole thing that we do is an experiment. Right. This whole thing body of bodybuilding is an experiment. We use PEDs, we use food, we use cardio, we use training methods, we tinker, we try this, we we change our volume, we change our frequency, we change the approach of how we train our legs versus how we train our biceps. All those things I think are great because you are it's like you're a sculptor. And I think Arnold said this. You're a sculptor yeah. and you're someone that gets to basically, you know, make your art piece. And I do think it's it someone starting out. I wouldn't tell this person right off the bat, don't get a coach. I had a few, a few caveats that if he wasn't going to get a coach of what, you know, he should do. And I don't know if you guys care to hear those. Throw them. Is that a yes? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I didn't know if I was talking too much, but here's, here's what I'm thinking. So first and foremost, do you understand PEDs? Because, you know, if he thinks, oh, I'm just going to run testosterone and DECA into a show, 
you're probably not going to look like the driest guy on stage, right? Do you understand how to manipulate estrogen? Do you understand how to manipulate water? You know, those things that are so important on show day. Secondarily, do you understand nutrition? Like, can't you, do you understand nutrition and how to manipulate it to lose body fat? Have you ever seen yourself at sub five, 4% body fat? Can, have you done that before? Because there's a big difference being able to throw up a front double bicep in the mirror and looking pretty good and being able to be fat free in your hamstrings and your glutes and that lower back area that you're not seeing nearly as much. Sure. So I think a, you got to have an eye for the sport. Do you have an eye or do you have somebody in your camp that has that eye that can say, Hey, you're not lean enough because you're only as lean as your leanest body part. And if your lower back is still carrying fat, but you're not seeing it every day, you might walk into a show thinking you're ready and you might get fifth or sixth place out of a class of five or six because you're not nearly lean enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's possible. Um, that's I think possible. those were the main things. I think I think those were the main points that I had. Maybe you guys had had some other things to consider if you were cho- going to choose a coach or do it by yourself the first time. Do you do you agree? Is, is that where you were going to go with this too, Skip, to do it on your own? Yeah, well... He said it in the question. He that's the part that he enjoys. Yeah. And it's the reason that I've never worked with anybody. I could probably be better than I ever was or am, but I didn't want to do it that way. I wanted to essentially pass or fail, succeed or fail, whatever you want to say. Really, on my own. I got out of baseball because I didn't like that the right fielder would make an error and I threw out two guys at second and went two for three and I did my part and somebody else didn't and I lost. I didn't like that. It's one of the things I have total and absolute control over everything. And I yeah. think if this guy is a problem solver and he, he is a thinker and he's a, he's analytic, I think you can learn a lot on your own. It just comes down to whether you want to fast track that and learn a lot and then maybe after a couple of years, two or three years, you learn and then you go out and you try to make those, you know, kind of go out on your own and see if you can analyze and assess and that you have to be realistic. You have to be brutally honest with yourself. And not a lot of people can do that. When you get hungry, is it just hunger and you're getting leaner mm. or is it hungry and I'm depleted? I, I, mm. I need to I need to fill out again. Yeah, how it's, long do you the need mind to be is very you know, sure there's, there's, a, yeah, there's the mind is very. To- it can it can fool you. It will trick you. Your mind wants to keep you alive, and that's yeah. how it's programmed. It's not programmed to get ridiculously shredded and get huge. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, and I would agree. I think you hit a really important term is the fast tracking part. I think that I had learned a ton through having my first coach. Now I did it on my own. I did it on my own for a long time. And the first time I worked with a coach, I followed what he said. But in the process, I also learned a ton, too. You know, Mm -hmm. it fast tracked me because he had ideas that I never would have thought of because I just wasn't there. He was so much more advanced than me. So if you work with a coach, there is something to be said. You do have to give over the reins. You know, you're not going to have the control anymore. And and it's important to be able to do that. Some people like that. Some people just want to go in for the ride they're the opposite person who's just like, I just want to have it done. You know, I don't want to have to think about any of it. And that person definitely coaches for them for a guy like this. You know, Scott Stevenson comes to mind. I mean, he wrote his book called literally be your own bodybuilding coach. It's a hundred bucks. I should put a link in this show to it, but I mean, that's his whole thing is that Scott loves the experimentation and he wants to just be able to discover things and try new things. Even if he knows how to do it, 
he wants to try something else and tinker. He's a tinker. That's the term he's used for himself. And I do think that mm-hmm. in the long run through tinkering, you can learn a lot, but there's a balance. Do you want to tinker for the next decade to get to where you could have been in several years, you know, because yeah. I, I don't think it has to be put it this way. I don't think it has to be either or long term, but it might have to be either or for right now, like for the you know what I mean? For a period yeah. of time, meaning I'm going to I'm going to give the reins to this person and see what I can learn. And then you take all that information with you. You apply it to yourself. And, you know, that goes into the memory bank along with everything else. So I found a balance, you know, and he can learn a lot through just watching the podcast, Andrew. Like when you're talking about, like, do you know how to modulate estrogen or do you know what compounds yeah. to use? Like we talk about that stuff mm-hmm. on these shows and bloods or especially drugs and stuff like every episode. So. The, the information is out there and there's a lot more of it today than even the message board days, I would say, just like it's just so readily available. You don't even have to hunt. Basically, you just go to Instagram and start scrolling, whether it's all good information. That's another conversation. But I think we're all on the same page, though. Overall, I, I wouldn't want to take away somebody's like if somebody came to me and they're like, I really want to do it myself, but I'm considering a coach. I'd tell him, like, well, here's what I offer. Here's what it costs. But if you really want to do it to yourself, then. You know, more sometimes, you know what people like that can benefit from consults instead of hiring a coach. They've hired mm. you guys or exactly me for yeah. a one hour consult, you know, once every six weeks or when you get stuck with something, you know, here's when I'm at. This is what I'm doing. What are your thoughts about moving forward? And then somebody else who's had more experience could throw more ideas at you. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure you guys do this too. You know, you can Hopefully. work with people who you just literally just advise with and they bounce ideas off of you versus the 100% like your typical client where you're just, you have total control and you have the reins and you're telling them or dictating what they need to do and they're simply executing. So it's it's a different time now than it was before. We all know that there is a lot of information out there to be able where we didn't have that when we were younger. We had to go after the information. And I figured if I'm going after it and I'm analyzing and assessing it, hell, I'm going to I'm going to do it myself. But times have certainly changed. You can get the best of both worlds now. Yeah. 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 The one thing I want to add is that he the main his hesitancy with getting a coach is that he thinks it would suck the fun out of it. And I think yeah. that goes back to the tinkering because I also, and I tried to make this point that a good competent coach is going to expect when, when you give the directions that they're going to follow to a T that, I mean, that's my expectation when people yeah. that hire me that that's part of our both written and unspoken agreement that, you know, when I say, Hey, this amount of cardio or this diet, like you're going to follow that a hundred percent so that I know what moves to make right yeah. based off what we're doing. And, you know, I, I don't think it has to suck the fun out of it because in that process you can still learn, right? Cause I don't know any coach. Well, I do know some coaches, but all three of us, if someone says, Hey, why are we, why are we doing a refeed today? We can very, right. we can give them a good answer. And, and I'll be honest. There are some times where I do things and they say, why are we doing this? And I go, I want to see what happens. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You, you want to see what happens. And, and I want to see if, when, when we replicate that, is that we're going to get the same response. So I think right. you can still learn by having a coach. I don't think it's going to suck all the fun out of it like you might think. Yep. All right. I'll try to whip through a few of these. I had a few from Patreon. So I'm going to jump into those. By the way, like I said before, thank you guys, everybody who's supporting the show through Patreon. In Blood, Sweat, and Gear 191, Skip had said, the side effects of GH are easy to counter. Can you discuss as coaches what you have done to counter those effects and uh, and when 
based on blood markers, would you pull it? Pull. I think he means the growth. GH? Yeah, yeah okay. Um, just because he referenced blood sugar levels, I mean, I'm, I don't remember the specific conversation that we were having, but blood sugar levels and growth hormone, I mean, you know, your, your blood sugar levels are going to run higher and that's, you know, I, it's, it's, I got to be careful how I answer this in the sense, you know, I want to be honest, it's, you combat it with insulin use, but I don't want to sit here and tell, or anybody think that I'm implying that anybody on growth hormone absolutely needs to use insulin either. Yeah. The longer you're on it, the higher the dose is, the more likely that your blood sugar levels are going to run higher. And even if they're good and you think that they're good, they still need to be monitored over time because they can be good. And then they can all of a sudden start to climb or they can go from good to crap, quite frankly. And anytime your blood sugars are elevated for a long time, I mean, essentially it's not an optimal situation metabolically or not, um, using and trans transporting blood sugar where it needs to be in an efficient manner. And that's where insulin comes in. Uh, on another note, I do think that there is one other compound now that is coming out that is quite beneficial for growth hormone use too. And that's Telmasart. So that I don't, I don't want to dive into uh, head first because I'm still doing my due diligence uh, and digging deep on that as well, but that would be to counter, you know, aldosterone and and water retention and and things like that. Um, so th my point is just there's two examples right there to be able to counter two of what I think off the top of my head are are two main or two primary concerns or issues that you might have with growth hormone. Is there anything different you want? I guess to T3 add to that, or T4 oh, as well. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, that would be another one. Yeah, um, I think Skip nailed pretty much everything. I I think in pertaining to the question about growth uh, growth hormone and insulin sensitivity, I think he nailed that. I think if unless this person was talking about longer term side effects with um, larger doses of growth hormone over a longer period of time, such as heart growth effects on heart and kidney health, you know that is a discussion or a, a thought that you need to have in terms of your own personal health and your risk assessment. But I think the mm -hmm. side of Growth hormone out of all compounds is probably the safest compound you can use long term if you're using it responsibly. What's a responsible dose? Well, it's not a bottle of serostim a day. It's it's probably not nine units of serostim a day. You know, I, I've never seen long term problems with anyone using, say, four or five units of growth hormone a day, five days a week over 20 years, you know. I don't have a lot of data on that, but the people I work with, a lot of them are in their 40s, 50s, and some 60s, and they've been using growth hormone for a while. And the heart and the and the kidneys are not the issues that we're having. Blood sugar is not even an issue because we're monitoring with other things, whether it's insulin, supplements, cardiovascular, and diet uh, modifications. Right on. Mm -hmm. All right. So lipid management, keeping HDL and reference range on cycle or recovering it during a cruise. This is something that I think affects all of us that are on gear. It's starting to affect women more and more too. I'll say yeah. that because women are using a lot more of these anti-estrogen products and I'm seeing it on labs um, a little bit more lately. Not to mention, but in terms of, you know, orals, you know, like orals are terrible on lipids. And if you're leaning into orals as a female, there's going to be that, right? But I will say this though, you know, 
oral use is one thing, but I think there's a big difference. If you have a coach that's pushing a, a milligram of a Rimadex a day, that's <laughs> when I start to really see. I, I've seen I've seen cycles where people are using a Rimadex, uh, Femura, and um, and Aromasin all in the same cycle, which kind of blows wow. my mind. Like, what do you what are you trying to zap there, dude? Like, your estrogen's got to yeah. be shot. And, and what I'm seeing from some of these people coming to me from other coaches who are on those cycles are, you know, HDL levels in the, not even the teens, like in the less than 10, like seven, mm -hmm. six. Yeah. To me, that's a major red flag. We're coming off PEDs, in my opinion. Uh, we're, like, not even TRT. I want to pull you off everything because that to me is a big red flag. You are in a big health risk for having a cardiac event at that point. So, Things that we supplements to use to help increase that right off the bat. The, the number one that I've seen that works the best is cartering. Um, also known as GW was at five zero five one six at 10 to 15 milligrams a day, you know, eight weeks of that. And I think you're going to see someone who's in the thirties come up to the forties. That's as long as you're still in your cruise doses and you're not pushing heavy doses of gear and blasting the um, aromatase inhibitors. Beyond that, citrus bergamot is another good supplement. Beta cytosterols work. Um, I mean, there's a whole bunch of supplements that do like, like a little bit of a difference in right. terms of you know, like, like even cinnamon, right? Cinnamon will help a little mm -hmm. bit. Is cinnamon going to take you from 20 to 30 or 20 to 40? No. But yeah. if you're adding the cinnamon, you're adding the beta cytosterols, you're adding the citrus bergamot, you're with adding healthy, all these little with a diet. Like if you can get the healthy fats in there, fiber, you know, that too. combine yeah. that obviously right with the Absolutely. supplements and boom. The diet was the assumption that you're yeah. already following a bodybuilder controlled diet. You're not, you know, doing fast food every day. You're not doing trans fats. You're not doing um, a lot of vegetable oils and stuff like that. You're, we're talking, you know, you're getting a high dose of fish oil. Um, and actually, now that I remember, I have an article up on uh, mountaindogdiet.com about how I fixed my HDL when it was pretty tanked because I was running, I think I talked about this before, I was doing a test deck on trend cycle and that absolutely shocked my lipids like no within like five or six weeks to the point where it made me stop the cycle and reverse course. And um, and I was throwing everything, uh, polycosinol, um, which may or may not work. There's some there's some shady research with that, which may have been paid for by a company that produces the polycosinol. Um, mm -hmm. Along, I was doing high dose fish oil. I was doing 20 yeah. grams of fish oil a day, which most people like. They kind of they, they raise their eyebrows when you say you're doing that much fish oil. But um, I'll tell you what, I fixed my lipids within, I think it was eight weeks because well, that's when I got my bloods again, and I went from like, I think it was like 18 to 42 in a matter of eight weeks. Damn. Now. You, if you sneezed or coughed, you would have oil come out of your ass. There is a, there's a downside to that, but your HDL was better. Uh, injectable carnitine. We heard that at Swiss. Um, it was reinforced at Swiss. I remember oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, when Scott and I were together there too. And that made me come home and look into that a little bit more because I had dismissed that prior to hearing it at Swiss that it just thinking, eh, I'll tell you why I dismissed it. And this is on me, and I'll own it publicly in front of everybody, all the listeners. When I hear things like, uh, whether it be glutathione, or and I'm just throwing out examples off the top of my head, or injectable carnitine, or even Tomasartan right now, I am skeptical of every, because it's curing everything from AIDS to cancer. It's fixing it. It's, it's, you know, what glutamine was doing before. Well, it didn't really work that great for muscle growth, but then all of a sudden it's fixing this and that and everything else. And it's just all of a sudden it's going to make you really healthy. So I started digging through it and there is a lot of information on it. Also increasing HDL. I don't know how it would compare to something like that might be a little bit 
more beneficial like carterine or something. But even Citrus Berg didn't touch anything I did for, uh, with my HDL. But then I turn around and, and for the last 16 to 17 weeks since I've been back, I have focused all of my dietary fat with the exception of the skip load meals on omega-3s going very, very strong yeah. on omega-3s. I hate walnuts for the record. Hate them. You yeah. know why? Because pistachios taste really, really good and they're yeah, far they more pretentious. And yeah, exactly. Dude, I'm like, I never I'm ate pistachios my... into like two years ago. Literally. It was my first. Pistachio. Oh, don't try pistachio butter. Too... Oh, I it, have. Oh, it's yeah. crack. It's yeah, like $20 a jar imagine. and it's like crack. Yeah, yeah. You just can't stop eating it. <laughs> it's very, very good. Um, but I have gone exclusively to all of all, and it took me about four weeks to really get good with it and now i just eat them and it's not that bad but i can't go back to like almonds or anything else because then i'll just eat the whole bag but that has brought my hdl up 11 points i think that's pretty substantial considering yeah. it's been 16 weeks now i will throw in this one little variable that needs to be mentioned and that was i was incredibly unhealthy for the four and a half months that in the fall i almost was going to explain it but i'm not going to explain it i was unhealthy in the fall was not training and uber eats loved me yeah. during that time i made them a lot of money I, I was on a first name basis basically with the uber eats delivery driver and there's a joke in there but only you guys would get it the listeners wouldn't so we're not going to go down that path with the uber eats driver back to the <laughs> i'll add to the nutrition thing too like i feel like there was a time that i didn't focus on fats you know i didn't keep healthy fats in my diet i what really worked for me for growing was protein and carbs and sometimes like i had like a, a no fat diet in my plan and I, I my hdl when i was running cycles on and off consistently it was stuck at like 25 long term. Mm. I did use carterine. I brought it up to 35, you know, for a period of time. It also raised my um, my liver values too. Not not high. I mean, but they were out of range. But it did do that. My my HDL is at 40 now, and I've just finished uh, a little run of carterine for because it, it also I found it's it works much the same way. It, I won't even get into it, but it's been ben really beneficial for my health overall, mm -hmm. for my recovery and my training. So I'm excited because I want to go do labs now. I have a, I have a script to go do labs and see where I'm at. Because if I was at 40 before and I've done some cartering, I'll be curious to see where I'm at. But one other thing I'll add too is um, just like if you can keep your 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 uh, your cholesterol from getting messed up in the first place, you know, by yeah. making keeping this stuff in mind. So that, I mean, obviously when we're running gear, you might have to fix it, but maybe you don't have to fix it as much was my thought. You know, like try, if you don't have, if you don't ruin it, if you don't break it, you don't have to fix it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Within reason, like, of course, you know. I like the analogy of, you know, like when you, um, when you turn off the water, but like you just barely turn on the spigot and just a little bit drips out. That's what we want to see during your, your, um, your cycles, like a little bit. We don't want to see that thing open and, and water gushing out, which is what <laughs> I think some people do when they don't pay attention to yeah. the diet, cardio, and all the little supplements they can do that they, yeah. they can do to fix it. The word true, it's very simple. It's only four letters, but it's got a vast meaning. It's about legitimacy. This has to be the real deal. My whole philosophy and everything in life is progression. If I'm not progressing, I am frustrated. You know, back in the 90s, I was known as the guy who put muscle mass on people who were stuck. There were things happening in the industry that weren't good. And in April of 2003, Doug and I started True Nutrition. 
we put the money into the jug, into the bag. That's where the money goes. We're in lab coats, we're in the back, we're manufacturing this stuff. So if it's not worthy enough for me, it's not worthy enough for my business partner, it's not worthy for you. Whether you're a bodybuilder, a triathlete, whoever you are, whatever your goal is, it is customized to you. I developed my reputation as a no BS kind of guy. I'm Dante Trudeau, half owner of True Nutrition. Looking for a primary care doctor from Steve. This is also from Patreon. All these questions have been so far. He says, uh, how would you recommend an athlete of yours to find a primary care physician who understands the bodybuilding lifestyle and will, the, uh, will work with them to stay on top of their health before it gets bad? That's, That's a tough one. one. Yeah. That's a hard one. Do you guys have? I have my answer, but go ahead, Andrew, because I wonder if we're thinking. Well... <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I haven't seen a primary care physician in probably 20 something years. I had one visit and my only reason for going in was to get him to order me labs about 15 years ago. And when he started questioning me up and down, I was like, you know what? I'm out of here. Like, this is crazy. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I, I'd be happy to hear yours, Skip. But I, I honestly, I think a good competent coach today understands the kind of labs that we look at better than physicians do and understands how to fix things, uh, which I know might be, we're not here to you know treat or cure diseases, but I'm just saying that the things that I see that doctors say or, or overlook even when they're looking at a, at a patient's labs that I'm like, wait a minute, that doesn't look right. We need to address that. I'm just saying, I, I think a good bodybuilding coach that's educated today and a lot of coaches are now um, can help you fix things better than a primary care. Yeah, I think, too, you're younger. You don't have to get finger-banged once a year by your primary care physician. Me, I, I take flowers. I have a relationship. Wait, your coach basically. doesn't do that, Skip? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I haven't asked. Maybe that's why I don't have a coach. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want it to come to that. But uh, what I did, and this may seem a little uh, or a lot, very rudimentary in my approach is, I was in Colorado, so I went to Armbrus Pro. And I asked a few of my friends who were geared. It's like, who do you see? Who do you talk to? I need. That's a, what I, I was going to say. I, I mean, you don't have to. You're not asking them for gear. You're just saying, look, I need a, I need a doctor that understands bodybuilding, and I don't know where to go. Even lie. Say you're new to the area. You know, I don't know. I don't have a primary care here. A lot of times, you're going to get that information, and when you start to hear the same name over and over, here's here's a funny. Boy, <clears throat> sorry. You know, I hate that. <laughs> I'm getting it worked out before Nick comes on. But anyway, this is the funny part to me. He was actually a specialist in um, voice and vocal cords and throat. He he yeah. would be backstage at Red Rocks at all of the concerts because he was a doctor to the he was contracted with him. He was a doctor for the. Um, all the, you know, the bands and, and anybody who would come play there. But because he had a minor connection with friends in bodybuilding, he was a primary care, so to speak, for So it was kind of funny. I would go once a year to get finger banged by a throat and voice doctor. instead. Of, <laughs> well, you know, the more I think about it, maybe I should have asked for credentials. Yeah. Well, no, here's the thing, though. It's just a guy that... I met backstage. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll well, take I think you're yeah. alluding to. <laughs> I think you're alluding to that this guy was a doctor to rock stars, so he's probably used to dealing with maybe more rec drug issues that he might see. 
And my point being is that he might be a little bit more liberal than some of the doctors that just follow values and you need to not do this and don't smoke and don't drink and don't do the, all these things that they tell you not to do. And it sure, sounds like this understood. guy might have had he had an open mind that people are, are on earth and they make their own choices. And his job is to help you navigate through the best course and take care of your health, given the choices that you've taken. First thing I said to him was, this is what I'm going to do, whether you encourage it or not. And it's funny that you had the same approach that I do. Anyone, even an ER doctor. I remember I went in for um, shingles the year that I got shingles and the guy started, he was a young kid and he started to lecture me. And I told him, I said, you don't know what I do. You don't, you, you're, you're speaking like, you know, everything. And you know, a lot of doctors are like that. They mm -hmm. think they can fly an airplane just because they're a medical doctor. They're very, very brilliant people and which is not to say they're not smart because they're clearly smart because they're in that position um they have to be smart but when you start to lecture me i'm the same i'll get up and leave and i don't care if it's the er i mm -hmm. i'll leave i'm just not going to listen to that i didn't come in here to be lectured and nothing you're going to tell me is going to change my mind when i'm 20 years your senior and i probably been doing gear longer than you've been alive maybe not that far but my point should be taken i'm not like you bring lectured. You bring your car into the mechanic. He's not going to lecture you about what you did wrong. He's going to fix it because yeah. you're paying him to fix it, right? And I have the same issue with police officers. I, if you pull me over, give me a ticket. Don't don't give me – I don't need counseling. I don't need your, your wisdom from life when you're 25 or 26 years. I don't need any of that. Just write me a ticket or don't write me a ticket. Listen, I'll tell you guys what, though. I feel like a decade ago – it was – even a decade ago, it was hard to find – medical help period in bodybuilding like it, it really was i was lucky because i did the same thing skip i found somebody in my gym somebody that i knew that i trusted he introduced me to a doctor who was a former competitor so mm -hmm. i had an in right there and mm -hmm. she would take notes that were on the book and then she would take me in her office and we'd sit down she'd take some other notes that were off the book so i was did, lucky did she I, finger bang you no, never. I I bent over and everything. I asked her, but no, I was I was too young for all that. That was, it was the not only thing you gotta watch out for is if you go in and they do this. You just need to, <laughs> well, you need to get the fuck out of there as fast I got a point, as you can though. get out of there. So oh, it was sorry, a lot bro. harder back then, right? And nowadays, it, it, it with with all of the telemedicine, there are so many TRT doctors out there, and some of them I think are. A little bit a little bit overboard you know and some of the prices there's a like there's a lot of scams yeah. out there i'm gonna say that yeah. there's a lot of like let us get you on a program and now you're going home you wanted test but now you're on test and hexarelin and hcg yeah. and this and that and you got to do all these other things and you're taking a milligram of a remedex every day that's not the right place but like i know cornelius parkin who listens to our, listens to our show he has a really good company that he works with. We don't have a sponsor at this time for a TRT clinic. I would love to set one up with a company that I truly believed in. But something like that, you can have all that medical stuff taken care of. And then from there, you know, if when you need to get finger banged, then you go to your primary care doctor. And guess what? Everything you're doing with your hormones is taken care of by that doctor. And there's there's some boundaries there. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, well, that doctor, because because here's the thing. If you're if you're running gear and your your blood works all over the place and you're showing it to your primary care doctor and they're the one responsible for it, then it's on them on how and how they respond is what we're really getting down to. You know how because some of them are going to get scared legally about, well, what happens if this guy dies, you know, under my watch right. and he's doing all this stuff. 
But if you can say, hey, I'm getting cared for by, you know, this company over here. This doctor has taken care of me. You guys don't have to worry about that. All I need is the prostate check. You know what I mean? <laughs> Team skip. So I figured I'd just throw that in there because it is different today, you know, than it used to be. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, but you do. It, it's 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 a, a jungle out there because there are so many there's so many yeah. just scams. You know, there's that. And now uh, we just saw um, Rick Collins posted last night or yesterday that they're trying to have some sort of injunction that you can't do telemedicine for TRT anymore because That's testosterone crazy. is a controlled substance. So they do well, telemedicine for pain pills. They yeah, do but they're for pain pills now. Yeah, and they're probably trying to block that. I'm sure, but you know, they should block that personally. I, I think they should block that. Like no one's taking a shot of testosterone and leaving their kids home alone to go score more heroin. Like actually, no I oh, I say because I have left my kids alone by themselves to go get more testosterone. I probably, <laughs> I probably should have had CPS called on me a few times when I was younger. All right, we <laughs> might have time for one more here. How about this one from the Think Big group? Adam says, uh, oh, and actually Adam lives by me. He actually came out and he trained with me when he first got serious about lifting. Uh, I don't want to get too much into his story because it's not my story to share, but he he's lost a ton of fat. Like he's changed his whole physique, but he came over and we did three workouts. We did a push, push, pull and legs. And we went through every exercise and went through the technique on everything and then he went home and he took that with him and he's just run with it and he's gotten in incredible shape. But he says, um, is there too much range of motion in a movement? For example, on hack squats, I literally bottom out the machine and drive it up. Leg press, I let it go really deep. Pause for a second to avoid using momentum. Good man, I'm glad that you remembered that tip. And then I push. Is this range a bit uh, a bad thing? Well, bottom oh, out the machine isn't an issue if you're five two. He's a taller guy. With that. Yeah, he's a taller guy, but oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Go ahead, Andrew. Well, I was gonna say if you are bottom out a machine, anything you're doing to make an exercise easier like that, I think you should discard it. So, and when and when you think about the hack squat, I had a training partner that would bottom out the machine and use that little bump to kind of like mm -hmm. get a little drive out of the hole to come yes, back up. Yes. And every time I'd be like, no, no, no. I want you to go an inch less than that and pause for a second before pushing up. The reps got cut down by four or five every set. And so my point to him was like, you know, you're, you're cheating, you know? Yeah. So I think, and you, you can get an idea. And I think the idea is if the exercise is easier because of what you're doing with that stretch shortening rebound cycle, then you definitely need to discard it. Anything you makes go. your exercise easier, get rid of it. Yeah, and I think things like uh, dumbbell flies, as an example, I'm mm -hmm. trying to think of something. Mm -hmm. There are things where you can, the, the range of motion should be comfortable for starters. Now, I kind of want to go back to the hack squat just to make this point real quick, too. And it's leg press, it's it's uh, squatting. I, I We all live by the uh, Astagrass thing, you know, that was our, our old school type thing. And that's all great and everything when it comes to, you know, badge of honor and, and all that sort of stuff. But you don't want, you want to basically go as deep as you can without your hips turning posterior or turning under you. And that's what's called a butt wing. I was waiting I leave for it you to that. say it. 
I know yeah. you so well. I was and like, I, at the beginning of the conversation, I was like, I'm waiting for him to say butt wink. And I think I even <laughs> might have, I might have even said it on the page. And I won't go into what that is. You can Google what butt wink is. You can check out on Elite FTS because they talk about it a lot. But it is important for the lower back and the in structural integrity of the lower back over time. You're going to get away with it when you're younger because all of that cartilage and everything that keeps your vertebrae together, it's all nice and new and rubbery. And when you get older, it gets stiffer and it wears down. So when you go to th- something like a, a a dumbbell fly or something. I don't think that, and, and I changed my position on this over the years. I don't think the range of motion should be forced. It should be right. comfortable. Okay. And that's, it leads me to the argument of, well, what about, you know, your incline press, it doesn't count. We see this on viral videos all the time. It doesn't count because he didn't touch the bar to his chest, even though he just pressed like 10 plates. It's just laughable what people will come up, come up with sometimes. So here's an example for myself because I'm not huge and I'm not tiny. I can do incline presses early in my workout with a bar and I can touch the chest and it's comfortable with my range of motion. But do that on the third exercise, maybe a four, and I've got blood in my shoulders and in my chest. Then we're getting into that where when it touches my upper chest, it really is putting my front delts in a in a little bit of a vulnerable position. I I feel the discomfort. It's not a comfortable movement. So I'll stop them about an inch short. And again, that comes back to what we were talking about hitting that peg or hitting the bottom of a hack squat, stopping that bar versus hitting your chest, unless you're doing dead stops, which quite frankly, I recommend and I do myself, but that's different. They're great. If you ever want to humble yourself, your benching should be dead stop because you have no momentum that way. But if you're not going to do that, then stop short because then you have to stop. There's nothing. You're not using your chest or your rib cage or your, your pec muscle itself to help stop and reverse the momentum uh, the, and, and a lot of times what happens those last few reps, they get a little bit more bouncy. So make them deliberate. Now, I bet you Nick is going to say the same thing when he comes on, because I don't think I've ever seen that guy do a rep that wasn't very incredibly controlled and deliberate. I don't think you should overstretch or overforce range of motion. I think it's unnecessary. And one more thing just to throw this in. So everybody knows, and they probably heard me say it before. The muscle is in the most vulnerable, vulnerable position in the stretch position. The most fibers are firing in the stretch position. That's why a lot of times you're, that's where you're going to end up tearing something because of the, when it's in the stretch position. And the last thing you want to do is in a dumbbell fly or something, a vulnerable exercise like that, end up tearing something when you have forced your range of motion. I just want to say that Buttwink is also Skip's OnlyFans name. So anyone looking for yes. his OnlyFans page, just type in Buttwink. <laughs> you want to Google too. Buttwink, but if you want to find me on Instagram or OnlyFans, then it's at Buttwink. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, that's all we've got time for here. We appreciate you tuning in. And, uh, you know, if you guys want any coaching, then reach out to any of us. You can go to TeamSkip.com. You can go to BodyBerry.com. You can go to McNallyDiets at Gmail.com. And, of course, check out our great sponsors, truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK, supplementsource.ca. And, of course, thank you to everybody from Patreon. Guys, we'll see you soon. 